first live broadcast, and so I apologize for all of that. Um, but let's get right into, well, I do want to go over some of the uh, housekeeping stuff first. You, you're going to notice that on the screen, you're going to see the video, whoever's speaking on the main screen, there'll be a little box with the video person in it. And you can move that, that little box, video box around. You can make a larger, smaller to get it out of the way. But the important thing is up in the top, near the top, you're going to see some buttons. Uh, one of the main important buttons that you want to click on is the Q&A button. And that Q&A button is going to pop up the little question and answer bo box. Type in your question and hit send. Now, if you want to send in your question or comments anonymously, just click the anonymous box on the, on the left side. And that should take care of the uh, housekeeping things today. Well, that said, let's uh, turn over to uh, Scott. Scott, you want to go ahead and take it away? All right. And uh, hopefully everybody can see the screen up there. It says welcomebiblequest.org. If that's not visible to you, somebody just send a message so that we'll know. Because the audience sees a slightly different screen than we as the panelists say. And this is our first show. So if we have a glitch, please just let us know. But if you see that, welcomebiblequest.org. We're going to go ahead and start now on our material. Today, we're going to be talking about the difference between barren faith and faithful faith. And what biblically, what we should be for biblically when we understand faith. Two of the most important words in the Bible are love and faith. Two uh, words that are often misused and reduced to shallowness are, of course, love and faith faith. It's a lot easier to say that we love and say that we have faith than actually follow through with the depth that those things mean. And so on today's broadcast, we're going to start with just talking about on a practical everyday level, the difference between a barren faith and a faithful faith. Later in the broadcast, we'll turn to some of the theological misperceptions uh, and such. But let's begin with this word faith and think about the definition of it. From Hebrews 11, 1, the definition is faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And Drew, Stephen, as we go through that picture after having faith defined, what does the rest of the chapter do? How does it picture faith? Over and over again, in Hebrews 11, you've got people doing things. There's an action that they take because of their faith. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. Uh, by, Abel, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice, things like that. Yeah, that, that's what you see throughout this chapter. It's not by faith, Abel didn't do anything. By faith, Noah didn't build anything. And by faith, Abraham stayed where he was. It's by faith, Abel offered. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed and went. And so we have this uh, text from James 2 that just shows on a day-to-day -day basis what this looks like. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister was without clothing and in need of daily food and one of you says to them, one piece, be warmed and filled, and yet you don't give them what's necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith has no works, is dead, being by itself. And uh, somebody uh, talked to us about Jesus really addressed this same picture, didn't he, in the parable of the shepherds and the goats in Matthew 25. Hey, I think Jeff has just joined us there. But in Matthew chapter 25 with the shepherd and the goats, what was the difference on the day of judgment between the sheep and the goats? Well, it looks like uh, to me that Jesus is saying that uh, the those who saw him 
him or in the case, seeing him is the same as seeing the least of these, his brothers and the, the difference is the, the goats saw the need and just didn't do anything. Uh, but those on his right hand, the sheep uh, saw the need and did something about it. And in helping those, they were really helping Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And so the people who out of love and kindness had, had acted faithfully, those are the ones that hear well done, good and you know, uh, faithful servant from another parable, the language is, but the language there is enter in. And then those that did not are the ones who said depart. So in other words, so faith needs to translate itself into faithfulness in life. And I believe we have Jeff with us now. Yes, I think I'm here. Welcome, Jeff. It's good to have you with us. Good. Are you hearing me? Yes. Oh, yeah, we hear you good. Okay. All right. Fantastic. So we're talking, Jeff, about just on a practical level of what it looks like, the difference between a barren faith and a faithful faith. Let, let's have one more introductory verse, and then I'm going to turn it over to you guys to discuss. And this would be John 12, 42. Many of the rulers believed on it. Well, belief is faith. But how did they respond? How did they follow through? They did not confess it, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that is of men more than the glory that is of God. So both of these passages, James 2 and John 12, give us a good picture of the difference between a faithful faith and a faith that believes and just stops there. And of course, in neither case is that acceptable. You know, Scott, that's a really challenging thing because I think there are just so many people, uh, and I, I say myself sometimes too, where we, we enjoy the benefits that come from Christianity, the, the hope and the personal uh, comfort that we have. Uh, but one of the things that's so important to remember about what Jesus is saying here is that we have to be willing to confess our faith. We have to be willing uh, to, to show that and not just to uh, kind of keep the faith, to, but just keep it to ourselves. Jeff, Drew? You know, I was thinking about, we all often go to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll probably be there in detail in just a moment and talk about some of the great heroes of faith. In the old Actually, we, did, we went over them before, while we were waiting for you. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, I, I just want to mention something about that passage. Um, before we even get into the examples of Abraham or Enoch or Noah, and, and their great faith, it's interesting, the run-up to this passage, or, or really we should look at this passage as kind of culmination of a discussion of living by faith and, and not living by faith. The Israelites were out in the wilderness. Uh, they didn't put their trust in God. Um, we come to Hebrews chapter 10, and he's reminding his, his readers about the things they've already endured. They've endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly being made a grazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions. Talking about enduring under that kind of difficulty, and he, he warns them not to fall back, not to backslide. And then he says this, this is the last verse of chapter 10. We are not of them that shrink back unto perdition, but of them that have faith under the saving of the soul. Then he goes into the discussion of Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and so on. Right. The point I'm simply making is when he talks about these examples of faith, it is to illustrate the kind of faith his readers are going to need in order to persevere under persecution and not shrink back. 
So it, it really is an active rather than just an intellectual thing. Right. Exactly. Drew, comments? Uh, well, before giving any of my comments, I just wanted to reach out to the audience. I see we have a number of people coming in uh, from different areas. In fact, I think we have some coming in from out of the country. But I want to just re remind everybody that's watching, go ahead and click the question and answer box and ask us questions or make comments on it. Uh, or tell us if we're going too fast or too slow. Also, let us hear, hear that too. But send in your comments and your questions and uh, we'll respond back to you. Go ahead. And Jeff, on that, uh, I like that background there from Hebrews 10 leading up to Hebrews 11. And then if we look past Hebrews 11, it goes right into that we're to run this race with endurance. Yeah. So the idea that, oh, I believed in Jesus and I'm good, I'm done. That's that's not what you see in, in either any of these texts. And, and uh, for the Pharisees, it took, they should have had then the courage to confess. They should have been willing to follow, et cetera, without, and, and really without faithfulness, faith is, as James said, just empty and dead. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, specifically when you mention what he says in Hebrews chapter 12 about running the race with endurance, he says this again in, in Hebrews 12, 4, you have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. And so again, this idea of being faithful or living by faith or being like the people in the Old Testament who did this or that by faith is the kind of thing that if you are persecuted to the point of giving your life, you're going to make the right choice. You know, a lot of people's concept of faith today, it would not carry them through this kind of, of difficulty. That is one thing about persecution is it has a sifting effect on uh, people who uh, are of kind of just a, a superficial faith and those who are of faith, as Jeff mentioned earlier, to the, to the saving of the soul, uh, Hebrews 10. And uh, persecution has that refining effect on God's people. We see that over and over again in the history of Israel, um, that those who, who had true biblical faith in God uh, were the ones kind of left, that faithful remnant that we see over and over again. And really, I think the the, the, the sorting of that gets down to faith and, and a, a true biblical faith. And, and just to maybe drive the point home a little bit um, harder here, the passage in Hebrews 12 is this section where he talks about God disciplines his sons. He loves his sons. It is introduced with the statement, you, you have forgotten the exhortation which reasons with you as with sons. And he quotes from the Proverbs and talks about the discipline and then concludes Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the palsy knees and make straight paths for your feet, that which is lame be not turned out of the way, but rather be healed. All of this uh, built on the idea that these Old Testament characters of faith are a great cloud of witnesses. Now it's your turn to be like them. What does that mean? Well, they were faithful. You uh, lift up your hands, um, start walking, do what you ought to do. That's a different picture of faith that a lot of people have today. Yeah, and I really like the way he concludes that section in verse 11, where he says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And of course, in the context, he's talking about discipline, but really we're talking about the discipline of faith, uh, is that a true biblical faith is that which allows itself to be disciplined by God and accepts the hardships that come along with that. 
And uh, a true biblical faith is sometimes not going to seem very pleasant in the moment. If we have this idea that, well, faith is just real easy and pleasant, uh, kind of like the misconception of love that Scott mentioned earlier. Uh, but faith can be very difficult in the moment, but it leads to uh, the salvation that comes. Let's switch gears now and talk about some of the theological implications and misperceptions on this. Because if, uh, can you see the screen? I don't know if you can see yes. my screen or not. You see my little guy and he says, he's got a white, uh, okay. So he says, well, of course the Lord doesn't want me to just stop and believe he would like me to obey, but that's just his preference, right? Because I'm saved just as long as I believe. Hmm. A lot of people think this way because they've been taught this way. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, but doesn't the Bible say it's by faith only? Sola fide, like Luther said. So let's let's respond to that because let's face it, there's a lot of teaching out there where people who misunderstand Paul teach people faith only, faith only, and a lot of people run with that. But for instance, starting off with in Romans, the first the, the first verses of Romans says that Paul taught in Romans one four the obedience of faith, which is what we've been talking about, and he ended the book the next to the last verse making known to all nations the obedience of faith. So he wasn't talking about that barren, empty faith. He was talking about faithful faith. But uh, take up this discussion. You guys take a look at this. Why has this misperception happened and, and what's being missed? Well, one of the things I've heard a lot is any time that you try to talk about people meeting conditions in faith, uh, it gets kind of shot down as, well, that's work salvation. That's work salvation. And almost any condition you can think of gets kind of lumped together into this mindset of, well, that's just salvation by works. You're trying to earn your salvation. And when we look at biblical faith from the Old Testament to the New Testament, I mean, like Noah, I don't think you'd. Uh, go up to Noah after he's built the ark and survived the flood with him and his family and say, Noah, you just earned that. You know, you just saved yourself, didn't you? Uh, Noah did a lot in his obedience, but he didn't. He wasn't saved by his works, uh, but he had to obey. And so I think that there's an important distinction we have to make between meeting God's conditions and salvation by works or earning our salvation. I have a question there, Scott. Well, actually, I have a question from the audience. Dean asks, uh, the word of God speaks of God as being faithful. How does God demonstrate his faith? So when we talk about faithful, um, that I think that's an important point to link the two words, faith and faithful. Uh, faithful is the idea of trustworthy. It's reliable. You can put your trust in it. And the word of God is faithful. Um, and so then we come to uh, Jesus' discussion of the faithful servant, and he is the one who is doing his Lord's bidding, um, so that when the Lord comes back unexpectedly, he sees everything being done as it, as it ought to be done. And so when we talk about having faith, that's related to being faithful. If I have faith, I put my trust in God, and God can put his trust in me in the sense that he can count on me to do his bidding. Um, so the word of God is faithful. We need to be faithful. That's right. It's a very active kind of thing. Thanks, Dean. Did that uh, uh, answer the question that you were looking for? I appreciate uh, the question. Uh, just type me back in, text me back in if you have a follow-up on that. 
Also, it's interesting. I, I've heard people sometimes say things like this. The Bible says over 100 times that we're saved by faith only. Another fellow said the Bible said over 200 times that we're saved by faith only. Um, Paul talks about justification in faith throughout the book of Romans. But of course, the thing that provides atonement, the thing that provides redemption is not our belief, but the blood of Jesus Christ. So for instance, Ephesians 2.8, or he, he doesn't say by faith in that passage, it's by grace have we been saved through faith. And it, not of our works that, that we should boast. It, it's not that we can stand there and say, look what we did, which was one of the problems with the Pharisees. As you recall, Jesus in, in Luke 18, 9, he told the parable about two men that stand before God, one a Pharisee, the other a publican. Luke introduces that parable by saying he spoke that parable to certain that trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And trust is really very similar to the word faith. Where did they put their faith in their, their selves? And so as he talks, look at his prayer. Lord, I thank you that I'm so great. Look what I do. I do this and I do this. He's trusting in himself. The publican trusted in the mercy of God. And we as disciples of Christ are to trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, and this, this you know, you get to Romans 4 and the whole discussion of trust or faith rather, and you're using the word trust. I think it's important to put those two together. When we look at Romans, Paul is addressing a mentality that put its trust in the flesh, the circumcision of the flesh, in being a Jew, that kind of thing. And what Paul is saying, you, you've got to put your faith in God. You've got to put your trust in God, specifically in Jesus Christ and in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, he talks about the sacrifice of Jesus as a propitiation. And, and then we've got to put our faith in that. That doesn't mean that what you do doesn't matter, but it's where your trust is. Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing what you're doing because you're putting your trust in, in Jesus and the fact that his blood is going to take away your sins and, and you put your trust in that and you do that by doing what he says? Or are you putting your trust in the fact that you're a Jew, that you're circumcised? Right, right. And a question for our audience. I've mentioned this a couple of times, and let's throw it out to the audience. It's often claimed that Paul taught faith only. The question for the, I'd like to throw out to the audience, how many times does the Bible say that we are saved by faith only? People claim it's in there a lot, so I want the number. How many times does Paul say that we're saved by faith only? What's the number? And we'll see if we get a call in on that. Drew, did you have to? Well, I did. I, I wanted to, uh, I have a comment that came in from uh, Sergey. He says in Romans 8, Paul is speaking to the believers, the, one, the ones who have faith, and to those who have already been baptized, Romans 6, and have the Spirit and the testimony of the Spirit, chapter 8. And still he warns them that they may die if they don't make a proper use of the Spirit. 8, 12 through 13. And he promises them the inheritance provided they, the believers, suffer with the Lord in order to be glorified with him. 8, 17. And also Paul goes on to, in Romans 11, verse 22, after the parable of the olive tree, he says, behold, the goodness and severity of God toward them that fell, severity, but toward thee, God's goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. 
Do any of our viewers have an answer on that yet? How many times Paul said they were justified by faith only? You, you, you and I both know uh, an individual. Uh, I, when he was learning, learning the word of God, somebody who believed you're, all you have to do is believe. You don't have to do anything to be saved. Told him that they had a Bible that said, in the footnote, it said, the Bible says you're saved by faith only 46 times. So, so he went through all 46 of those times that that footnote claimed the Bible said you're saved by faith only. And, of course, the answer as to how many of those actually said that is, I guess, what you're looking for. Wait a minute. Let me, let me ask. Wait a minute, Scott. Uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff, rather. Uh, I want to back up. Are you saying that those 46 times were just in the footnote? The footnote claimed that various places in the Bible, you'll find 46 occasions when the Bible says we're saved by faith only. And so he decided, because that's just the footnote saying that. Yeah. So he decided to look up the 46 references that, that it listed in the footnote. And how many of those times do you think it actually said you're saved by faith only? Well, we're getting some answers coming in. Lori B. says zero times. Faith only is only used in James to say that faith only is dead being by itself. So it says it once. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and it says Why wins the prize. Yeah. Paul never, Paul never said that we're saved by faith only. Uh, James points out that faith only is useless. Uh, Paul never said faith only. Here's, here's what's interesting. Luther put that in his German translation. He put it in Romans. He added the word only. But even Luther didn't mean it the way people have taken it. Now, it was a careless wording. He was trying to make an emphasis. Later in his larger catechism, he complains about the new spirits that are saying that since we're saved by faith only, you don't need to be baptized. And then he goes through and he refutes that idea. So he kind of created the problem by putting the word in there. And when people ran with it, then he had a problem with where they ran. But the, Lori is right. Zero times does Paul say we're saved by faith only. It's mentioned once by James saying it's not. Gene, one of the viewers made the observation that talking about God's faithfulness in 1 John 1, 9, it says if we confess our sins, he the Lord is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wouldn't it be a shame if God's faithfulness was like a lot of people's concept of ours, our faithfulness? God's faithfulness is he does something. He does what he says he's going to do. He forgives. He cleanses. Uh, it's not an empty or, as you said, a barren faith, uh, faithfulness. We also got a uh, question here on the YouTube live from Jay Joe that asks, would you say we feed our faith by our works? What would y'all say to that? Maybe, maybe I, I see the point, but I think it might be a little bit the opposite. Our faith feeds, uh, coming back to Hebrews 11, it's not that because he offered that created faith in Abel, but it's by faith Abel offered, by faith. Noah built by faith. Abraham obeyed and went. Yeah, but yes, the connection is there. Certainly, and I would say the the connection probably does go back some the other way as well. And that the more that we faithfully obey, it helps us to trust God more, and that our trust and our obedience have kind of a reciprocal relationship. That the more we trust, 
the more we obey. And the more we obey and kind of taste and see yeah. what is good, the more we're moved to trust him in future situations. I think we see yeah. growth in people's faith like Abraham. Abraham didn't come to him at first or God didn't come to Abraham at first and say, I want you to sacrifice your son. Uh, he, he led him through a lot of other situations where Abraham needed to be obedient before testing his faith in that way. Yeah. And it is reciprocal, like in Galatians 5, where the more we're invested into the uh, fruits of the spirit, the less inclined we'll be to want to pursue the works of the flesh. Certainly. Now, I don't know if we covered covered already, but because there's a lot of different comments coming in and out. But I see uh, a viewer says, I know just one place that says not faith only in quotes. Is that the yeah. one that Lord yeah. spoke about in, in James, right? I think that's so. Two and verse twenty-four is the verse that says, "You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone." I'm reading from the English Standard Version, uh, but that's, uh, my, in my understanding, the only place that faith alone or kind of faith only comes up together. And of course, here it's in the negative, not by faith alone. And James is speaking uh, on a practical level. Paul approaches the discussion more on, on a redemption and atonement and legal level. And of course, so Paul makes the point that there is no redemption. There is no atonement. Justification is not the result legally of our works because we, what we've done is sin. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And so what the disciple of Christ needs to do is because he's a sinner who's made himself unjust by his sin, he needs to put his trust in Jesus Christ, who has paid for his sins, but not stop at wanting to have Jesus as a savior. We have to confess and follow him as our Lord. And that doesn't mean just believe that he's there. That mean, Lord means obey. Yeah, I, I would even say James is using the word faith a little differently than Paul is using it. As you say, James is talking on a practical level. His point is to say, you you need to be more than just having a formal religion. You need to be living it. And he says the demons believe in shudder. The demons don't put their trust in God. Right. They're intellectually aware. And that's really kind of the way James is using the word faith. Whereas Paul, when he talks about faith, he is talking about putting our trust in God. Yeah, like at the end of Romans 9, where he says you have the Jews pursuing righteousness didn't get to it but the gentiles not pursuing it and i think the philippian jailer is kind of an example of that here's a philippian jailer he has not been following the torah and 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 being careful with all his laws and dietary laws all his life he's been a pagan one night in the middle of the night he finds out about jesus the messiah he puts his faith in him he's baptized into him and just like that he has what Justification, not because of anything he's done or earned in a, in a meriting sense, but because he put his faith in and submitted to Jesus as, as the Lord and Savior. Whereas Paul goes on in Romans 10 saying that the, the uh, especially the Pharisee attitude among a lot of the Jews was that they were, like Luke said, trusting themselves, or as Paul said, um, I've forgotten how it's phrased now, Romans 10, um, is it trusting in their own righteousness or righteousness of their own? And that, that's a problem. We don't have a righteousness of our own because of our sins. We yeah, Romans 10, 3, of our own. Romans 10, 3, for being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Thank you. 
Any other questions, Drew? No, I noticed a couple of people had uh, answered or put some comments in the chat box, but I don't get to see the chat box. I'm watching the question and answer box. So uh, going out to the audience, just please use the question and answer box. And that's where I'll be able to see the questions and then respond back to you. Drew, I think we're out of time. We are. We uh we are we are out of time. It's uh, just went past the two thirty mark. Uh, we uh, we started a few a minute or two late because of some technical difficulties. I apologize for that, but I do want to thank everyone who uh, tuned in and joined both on uh, YouTube and also through the Zoom app. Uh, I want to make sure I didn't lose anybody else's statements or questions. I want to cover everybody. Uh, Dean was saying amen to you, Jeff, on your comments before. Uh, Sergey was saying, and James says, faith is perfected by works. So he was talking about it in that context. Um, also, James' version of Paul's faith with trust would be the living faith like Abraham. Yes. And then Emma also, she put in Luke 17, 110. I don't know if you uh, addressed that, either one of you, Luke 17, 110. I'm not familiar with what... Uh, I think she, Luke 17, 1 through 10, uh, and I think that we did not get to that. We'll have to maybe come back to that another time. Okay, so I mean, we'll come back to that. Now, we do this broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Right now, it's a 30-minute broadcast, so we're going to be ending here in about 60 seconds, uh, being two minutes late. Uh, but I really thank you, everyone that joined in, and for the questions. I hope that you'll tell others about this broadcast so that we can get it more exposed and, and talk more about the, the Lord and his word. Um, gentlemen, any other things before we uh, sign off? Thank you. Thanks, Good to sir. see everybody today. All right. Thank God you. God bless you all. God bless you. And thank you too, guys. Have a good week.